You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. up in the hospital if there's someone in a bed besides you you could be sent there for them the nurse is coming in in hours that you don't want her to come in you finally fall asleep they wake you up to take your vitals maybe you're there more for them than they are for you God will use even a physical illness to put you in a place Maybe to encourage or be a witness for Christ. Always be ready to use a situation as a testament for Jesus. Throughout the Bible, you see people thrown into bad situations, only to find out that that situation had set the groundwork for miraculous works of God. Knowing this, you should be able to embrace tough times with the understanding that Jesus may very well be setting you up to extend His kingdom. Pastor Danny encourages you today to always be ready to do God's work. Never let down your God or compromise on your faith in Him. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of James chapter 1 as he continues his message, The Purpose of Trials. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. The rich young ruler, we call him, because one gospel writer tells us he was rich, another gospel writer tells us he was a ruler, and another gospel writer tells us he was young. And he came to Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, you know the commandments? He says, well, I've kept those. Well, he was mistaken, but he thought he had. He was a good guy. He was a moral, upstanding, respected guy. But he was rich, materially. And Jesus said, well, one more thing you lack. Go sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and then come follow me, and you'll have great riches in heaven. And then what was revealed was this guy's God was his money. And the things that money can buy in his value system was all messed up. And some people won't enter the kingdom of God because they'd rather have the things that money can buy rather than the things that money can't buy. And sometimes a trial actually does us good to change our value system. Here's what Jesus said. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. That's not what it's all about. The one in lowly circumstances has a spiritual advantage. But the challenge is to be able to see that and really, really accept that. Psalm 73, one of the greatest worship leaders in the Bible, a man named Asaph, and he lost that perspective, and he looked around at all the people that weren't living for God, and they were doing good, and they were healthy, and they were wealthy, and, and he said, I made a commitment, and look what it's cost me. It got me nowhere. And he said it was oppressive until he entered the sanctuary of God. 
And he got along with God. And in that time, God gave him wisdom from heaven. The Apostle Paul had the same experience. One of my favorite passages on this is 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Boy, does Paul just nail it right here. I don't know anybody other than Jesus in the New Testament that suffered any more than the Apostle Paul. You read the things that he sacrificed and what it cost him to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And I just, I, I mean, you can't relate to Paul on that level. I've never gone through the things he went through. Here's a guy who prayed for people that got healed. He saw people raised from the dead. One guy he killed because of his all-night sermon. God killed him. Paul killed him because he talked too long. I pray that doesn't happen here today. And then Paul went and prayed for him, and the guy resurrected from the dead. And Paul was like, thank God. But here's a guy who saw miracles left and right through his life and through his ministry, but he himself had this physical infirmity, this thorn in the flesh. He prayed three times for God to remove it, and three times God said no. And for the rest of his life, he had to deal with this trial, this physical infirmity. He writes about it right here, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7, to keep me from becoming conceited, something he was before he came to know Christ, and something he could have been as a key figure in the church. Because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I'll boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. And then he sums it up. What a great summary. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults. In hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties, for when I am weak, then I'm strong. Doesn't make sense logically. And you don't enjoy it practically, but you count it all joy. You consider it joy because of what God's doing. Boy, James. By the Holy Spirit, he talks about wisdom not only in, in, in understanding the trial, but but wisdom regarding temptation during a trial. Every trial has temptation. Now, he makes it very clear. The temptation is from the enemy. You got that, right? You're not, whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't blame God. No, you make a wrong decision in the trial, you go the wrong way during a trial, and you say, well, look what God did in my life. Look what God allowed. Yeah, but you made the wrong decision. You didn't persevere. You made a foolish decision, and Satan threw the party in heaven. I would, the bell went, wow, we got him, we got him. Very first temptation in the Garden of Eden was to doubt the goodness of God, and it worked. God's holding out on you. He's he not telling you not to eat of that tree because he knows what will happen. You'll be like him. And they doubted the goodness of God. You turn away, it's not God's fault. Proverbs 19.3, a man's own folly ruins his life. Yet his heart rages against the Lord. Why does his heart rage against the Lord? Because he blames God. One of my closest friends in college, this guy, everybody wanted to be like this guy. He loved the Lord. <laughs> His high school sweetheart is in the same college with us. After college, they get married. We all begin to have a family. 
This guy, he was a youth major like me, and we all, we all knew he's going to be the best youth pastor the world's ever seen. He was involved in the youth ministry there in Lynchburg and the big church under Jerry Falwell, and all the kids just loved him. He graduates, he marries his sweetheart, uh, Lori, we all knew them, you know, we all love them. And here he gets a job somewhere out in the West and he's a youth pastor of this church and just doing great. We all knew he would do, we all knew he would do great. And then we got the word that one of their children was stillborn. And my friend Jim came unglued and he could not accept why God would allow one of his children to be stillborn. And he turned away from God and he turned away from the faith and he got out of the ministry. And I don't know where he is today. I've lost touch with him, but I prayed for him. I pray for him again today. That if his heart is still against God, that somehow God would be able to reach down and give him the spiritual wisdom and understanding that, he, that maybe he won't be able to appreciate until he stands before Jesus, but God had a purpose in that, that trial. I've seen it happen. Where somebody doesn't persevere through the trial and they, 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 they wrongly accuse God. Don't accuse God. It's never his fault. He doesn't tempt with evil, nor is he tempted. As hard as it is to accept and, and receive, it's, it's, listen, the trials are designed by God for our good and his glory. But you need that divine wisdom or you won't make it because some of them they throw at you. Some of them the life throws at you. Listen, 2017 was the hardest year of our life. Hardest year of our life. But I was able to say to the board that the church I pastored for over 30 years, if I'm going to be crucified for something I did not do, I can live with that. And I can look at you face to face, and I can look at my wife and my kids, and I'll look at Jesus one day. And I, if I'm crucified for something I did not do, I can live with that. But it was the hardest trial we've ever faced. And we cried and we begged God, oh, to have to leave the ministry we've invested our life in. And we thought, Things were going to turn out different. And then God spoke to my wife. And then he spoke to me and he spoke to us individually. And he said, leave, just leave. And that was the hardest thing in the world. But I'm telling you, we got closer to Jesus. And I still don't understand some things, but I trust God. Hey, look, you're going to have some things happening the older you get. I tell people now, and it doesn't encourage them. <laughs> I say, look, the, the worst trials you got to face is going to be later in life. Because when you were younger, you couldn't have handled it. That encouraged you, didn't it? The toughest times are ahead, let me tell you. But let me tell you, you, can get, you have the privilege of getting closer to Jesus. And to see God, he's the God of resurrection. God will also give you wisdom because every trial involves suffering. Some of it's really tough. <laughs> you, you want a warm, fuzzy verse to memorize? Here it is. You want to say this one with me? Well, I know you don't. Do it anyway. Ready? Here we go. 
For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him. Doesn't that just give you a warm, fuzzy feeling? It's a gift from God. Well, you got to take that one by faith. It's a gift from God. Deuteronomy, wilderness wanderings, he humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna. That's directly from heaven which neither you nor your fathers had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Even Jesus as a human being, Hebrews 5, 8, although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, not sinless, he was always sinless, but mature as a man. And then Paul says in Philippians 3, verse 10, I want to know the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. My closest times with the Lord have been through difficulties. The times I felt closest to God were in times of great trial and difficulty. Let's pull it all together. If I had two statements to sum up the word that God gave me through James chapter 1, it's God-ordained trials are meant to mature us. That's what he says. Perseverance must finish its work so so that you'll be mature. Mature. I wish there was another way. There's not. Through trials. You persevere in the trials. That doesn't mean you can't fail and get back up again. You can fail but get back up again. You persevere. In time, you grow. You grow in your faith. You grow closer to Jesus. So all God-ordained trials are meant to mature us. Some trials are meant to actually Move us. I want to ask you to raise your hand, but I know some of you lost your jobs. COVID is a trial in a lot of ways. You ever stop and think about some of the situations in the scriptures? You ever stop and really meditate on Jesus and the cross? Prays all night, goes out and picks 12 of those who are followers and designates them apostles. This is the starting team. Everything depends on them. And one of them, handpicked, betrays him. The betrayer goes, gets 30 pieces of silver from the Jewish leadership. Jesus on trial for something he didn't do. And he's condemned for something he didn't do. It's all in God's plan. You think he enjoyed it? Uh Uh-uh. Whoa, 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 whoa. Garden of Gethsemane, he prays, he's sweating, and his sweat is mixed with blood. And he is begging the Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. The trial of his life, yet not my will. Yours be done. He's all in. He's all in. The young people around here call it full sin. And he gets the wisdom he needs from his heavenly Father and from the Holy Spirit. And he finishes the course. And he completes the mission. But it cost him his life. Trials was, that was the path. I'll never get tired of reading it. I love teaching it. Paul the apostle, when he becomes a Christian, as Saul of Tarsus, would become one of the greatest apostles as the apostle Paul. And God tells him, before he's even out doing public ministry, you're going to stand before kings and great men to testify the gospel of Jesus Christ. How's that going to happen? 
How is he going to get an audience with kings and great men? How would you get to the president of the United States? Well, the path for Paul to get even ultimately before Nero himself and testify for Jesus Christ. He gets arrested. He gets thrown in jail for something he did not do. His nephew, just by chance, hears of a plot 40 Jews have committed that they're not going to eat again until Paul is dead. And the next day when they bring him out of the the jail and they've arranged for this to happen, they're going to kill him. And Paul's nephew hears about it, goes to the Roman commander, says, I want you to know there's about 40 guys and they're planning to kill my uncle. So the Roman soldier in charge of the apostle Paul gets 200 of Rome's most elite soldiers and they take Paul, put him basically in a limousine bulletproof to make sure that he's going to be safe on his journey and they take him from Caesarea to Rome to stand before great men and ultimately before Caesar himself and testify for Jesus Christ. You can't make this stuff up. Can you imagine if Paul knew what the plan was? What? I'm going to get arrested, beat up again? But it was an armed guard escort of the most elite soldiers of the day to make sure that God's purpose for his life was fulfilled. I'm not done yet. (laughs) One of the greatest stories in the Bible in the Old Testament, but one that Joseph did not enjoy. 17 years old, God gives him not one dream, but two dreams. They both mean the same thing. One day he'll be exalted beyond his wildest imagination that even his brothers who hated him and his mom and dad are one day going to bow down before him. He's so excited about it, he goes and tells his brothers, and that didn't do him any good. They sell him into slavery. He ends up down in Egypt. He's there owned by a man named Potiphar. Potiphar's wife tries to seduce Joseph day after day because it says he was a good-looking dude. And he resists her advances day after day. And then he ends up thrown in jail for resisting the sexual temptation which would have ruined the plans God had for him. And he sits there in prison, forgotten seemingly by everybody, including God. And it was years before God would bring to fruition the dreams that he had given him. And from 17 years old until later on into adulthood, It was one trial after another. But in the end, because he persevered, he experienced the fulfillment of all God planned for him. The disciples? (laughs) Here's the Great Commission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And you're probably thinking, well, they're going to have a great missions conference after Jesus goes back to heaven, and they're going to have some nice worship music and good preachers and preach on the Great Commission and then say, would you volunteer to go? Who would go to Samaria? No good Jew wanted to go to Samaria. God knew that. You know how he got the guys out of Jerusalem? Because that was the happening church. That was the happening church. Miracles are happening, best teaching. Uh, Nobody had any needs because they're selling pieces of land, bringing the money. And if you had a need, man, you're part of the church in Jerusalem. You're going to get your needs met. So how are you going to get out of that kind of church? How are you going to get somebody to volunteer? Well, Stephen gets martyred. Persecution gets so intense that here's what the Bible says in Acts chapter 8. Everybody except the apostles were scattered. They didn't volunteer for missionary service. They were running for their lives. 
and one good place to hide. Some thought, let's go to Samaria. Nobody will ever look for us there. And it says everywhere they landed, they began to preach the word. They began to share about Jesus. (laughs) The great commission, the plan. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And it began because of trials. People being thrust out. And geographically moved in the will of God. Paul says in Galatians 4.13, the Galatian churches... They first heard the gospel from him, and the church was planted as a result of a personal illness that he had. And because of the illness, he got detoured in life. He got detoured. He ended up in Galatia. And so he shares the gospel. People get saved. Church is planted. He says it was because of an illness. Let me remind you. You get sick, whether it's COVID, whatever it is, you end up in the hospital. If there's someone in a bed beside you, You could be sent there for them. The nurse is coming in in hours that you don't want her to come in. You finally fall asleep. They wake you up to take your vitals. Maybe you're there more for them than they are for you. God will use even a physical illness to put you in a place, maybe to encourage or be a witness for Christ. He uses the difficulties in life but you don't see it unless you're all in and you call out during those times, oh God, I I don't understand what's going on. And you still may not understand it logically, but he'll give you the peace spiritually. It's a peace. What does it say? It's a peace that what? Passes all understanding. Psalm 44 verse 22. Paul quotes it in regard to the trials that he faced and the trials that any believers face. It goes like this. For your sake, we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Now, I am almost done. It's 12.08, and I will not go overtime, so please stay awake because you want to hear this last part. I want to read you the context of that statement from Psalm 44. Psalm 44, verse 22 For your sake, we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. You back up to verse 17. Here's what it says. All this happened to us, though we had not forgotten you or been false to your covenant. Our hearts had not turned back. Our feet had not strayed from your path, but you crushed us. You made us a haunt for jackals and covered us with deep darkness. That sounds like you're not going to understand it. You're not going to see unless you get it with divine wisdom. If we had forgotten the name of our God or spread out our hands to a foreign God, would not God have discovered it since he knows the secrets of the heart? You could sum that up by saying we were all in. We hadn't given in to temptation. We haven't turned our backs on God. We were all in. And yet, the trial. For your sake, we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep. To be slaughtered. I don't know of a better way than to close with one we've already said. And if you'll say it a little bit louder this time, I'll close in prayer. (laughs) Come on, everybody, you ready? On the count of three, let's say it loud. One, two, three. Trust in the Lord with all your heart 
and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Thanks for joining us today to study the books of the New Testament with Pastor Danny Hodges, right here on The Living Word. You can check out more of Pastor Danny's teachings through the Bible by going to our website, ccfstpete.church. Just look under the Resources tab and click on Teachings. We encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel as well to stay up to date on the latest teachings and videos. Feel free to share them with your friends and family. If you're in the St. Petersburg area, we'd love to meet you in person. Join us for our weekly church services at Calvary Chapel Fellowship. We meet on Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. We're also live streaming our services for those who are at home or live further away. We look forward to worshiping with you. Find out more on our website. Once more, that's ccfstpete.church. As Pastor Danny continues this series, New Testament Highlights, be reminded that all these books provide a glimpse into God's heart for every person. His word is like a lighthouse, showing the way for lost ships at sea. Each person is a lost ship, floundering in the dark waters until they see that beam of light that directs them back to land. Throughout scripture, Jesus is that beam of light, lighting the path to safety. Tune in next time to hear more from Pastor Danny as he teaches in the New Testament right here on The Living Word. 